Good evening, and welcome to the Super Happy Radio Hour. We are coming to you live via podcast from the Magnetic 375 Theater in the historic River Arts District of Asheville, North Carolina. I'm Barbie Angel, your guide and narrator for tonight's Super Happy Radio Hour. Please welcome to the stage tonight's Super Happy Players. Adam, I'm in charge, and don't you forget it, Arthur! <laughs> Troy, shut up and get in the van, Burnett! Tommy, two times, two times, Callaway! Sarah! Obi-Wan, Felmet. <laughs> Carrie, the quiche licker, Kimbrel Kimsey. <laughs> Alan, all that and a dog named Sprinkles Law. Work the twerk, McGwerk. Darren Peekaboo Marshall. Stephen, the right ravishing Rabbi Samuels. And Rodney, the raging bullshit artist, Smith. Tonight's theme, a look back at history. They say those who don't learn history are doomed to repeat it. Well, we here at Super Happy Productions have studied our history pretty thoroughly and have come to realize history has proven time and again we're screwed no matter what. Our first story takes us back to the days before B.C. and A.D. were even a thing. In a little hillside town known as Bethlehem sits a small barn containing a baby in a manger and two very tired parents. The last of today's many visitors are finally leaving. Good night. Thanks again for the bitter herbs. I'm sure we'll be able to put them to good use somewhere. Goodbye now. Have a safe trip back to Jerusalem. Jesus, everyone in the tri-state area has come to see you, haven't they, my little jeezy-weezy? Oh, I thought they would never leave. I know they were trying to be nice and wanted to get a look at the baby, but really? I mean, don't they know that even the king of the Jews has a bedtime? I know, right? And what was with that kid with the drum? I mean, I get that he was poor and wanted to give us something, but one kind of schmuck thinks it's a good idea to play a drum over the head of a newborn. It took me two hours to get him settled down. I know, dear. I'm sure we'll get stuck with the therapy bill at some point. Anyway, we did get some nice swag, didn't we? We got a barn full of gourds and sandals, Joe. Not exactly what I'd call swag. I mean, he is the son of God, right? Where are all the good gifts? Where's the gold? Where's the frankincense, huh? 
What about some myrrh? I could sure go for a nice myrrh bubble bath right about now. Over the last two days, I have been playing host to every turnip slinger and goat wrangler who just had to stop by to see what was under the shiny star, and I'm pretty over it. I just had a baby for his sakes. First world problems, huh? <laughs> what? Nothing. Um, besides, we haven't seen everybody yet. I mean, remember, the prophet said King Herod would send three wise men from the east who would come... Prophet? The same prophet who said every inn would open their doors to us? The prophet who said my delivery would be easy like Sunday morning. 31 hours of labor is not easy like Sunday morning, Joe. It's a month of freaking Mondays. That moron was no prophet. He was just an asp oil salesman trying to keep in good graces with you-know-who. Mary, sometimes I wonder if you only see the worst in people. Who knows? He does work in mysterious ways. Perhaps we have simply been misinterpreting the prophet's messages. Oh, Joseph, my dear husband, you are either genuinely the most wonderful optimist in all the land, or God is punishing me for stealing my sister's clothes when we were kids. <laughs> Either way, I love you. Look, I'm gonna go crash. I'm exhausted and my back is kaput. We can deal with this mess in the morning. Sounds good to me. Oh, you have got to be kidding me! Aha, see? Told you the best was yet to come. <sighs> Whatever. Yes? Hi, we're the Weissmans. We live on the farm just east of here. And there it is. Mary, hi, what can we do for you? Well, we couldn't help but notice all the hubbub around the barn here. We thought we'd schlep over and see what the fuss was all about. Well... I'm sorry. I'm being rude. I'm Goldie, and this is my husband, Frank. Shalom. And our son, Murray. So, homie. Uh, yeah. Uh, please, please, do come in. I I'm Joseph, and this is my wife, Mary. Good evening. Welcome. Sorry this place is such a mess. It's been uh, quite a day. Oh, it's quite all right. <laughs> Who am I to judge? She will anyway. Frank, don't start. Yes, dear. So, are you subletting from the Feinsteins? Uh, well, no, not exactly. We're, uh, we were, we were kind of passing through. And... Oh, travelers, huh? Well, welcome to our little town of Bethlehem. Thank you. It's lovely here. Oh, we like it. Frank and I have lived here our whole lives. Where do you call home? Um... Nazareth. Oh, Nazareth. <laughs> La-dee-da. <laughs> so what brings you all the way out to these parts? It's kind of a long story. Don't be such a yenta, dear. Who's being a yenta? I'm making conversation. Uh, it's all right. Uh, as my husband was saying, we were just passing through and desperately needed a place to stop. All the inns around here seemed to be booked up, and this was the only place we could find. Tourist season. Pardon? Tourist season. Bethlehem is famous for the change in colors of the leaves this time of year, and of course, the annual running of the sheep. Running of the sheep? Oh, yes. It's a very popular event around these parts. We participate every year. I'm a shepherd. A very successful shepherd. Sheep are whack, yo. Murray, 
Show some respect. Sheeping has been very good to us. It provides the manna on your plate and the pelts on your back, so don't you forget it. Whatever. Don't you whatever me, young man. Sheeping is a respectable business, and one day you will take it over when your father passes. God willing, I should have something to leave. Shepping is as profitable or glamorous as it used to be. It's not. It's just not as glamorous. Now, it's all wine shops, gourd outlets, and new inns being built on every piece of flat land. Maybe you should go into the inn business. Ah, don't get me started. The last thing this town needs is another inn. I mean, what kind of town builds inn after inn just to satisfy tourists who only come a few months out of the year and don't spend enough money to sustain the local economy? Am I right? I can't stand the Michigas. I guess I can see your point. And what do you do, Joseph? Me? I'm a carpenter. Ah, carpenter. Good for you, an honest man's work. Why it is, Nazareth is becoming quite a big city. I'm sure business is booming for you. Well, it has good days and bad days. It's hard to get dependable help here since the beggars unionize. You know, as an independent contractor, I, I can't compete with the benefits they offer, so... Nah, union is the way to go, dog. I bet they be making mad alms, yo. <laughs> know about it. You should be motivated enough to beg. Kids, am I right? I guess. Do you have any children of your own? Oh, yes. One. Just a few days old. He's asleep in the manger right over there. Oh, baby. Let me take a look. Oh, my goodness. Isn't he just adorable? Just such a a sweet little angel. I have to pinch his little duckers. Oh, please. (laughs) Please. I just finally got him to sleep, and he's been cranky all day. I'm afraid if he wakes up now, I'll be up all night. Spending most of it emasculating me, no doubt. Shut up, Joe. Yes, dear. You get used to it. Shut up, Frank. <laughs> yes, dear. Oh, he, he really is a cutie pie. Thank you. And uh, what are you calling him? Yeshua. Jesus, for short. Oh. A special name for a special boy. Oh, yes, he's very special. He's the son of God, king of the Jews. <laughs> I said the same thing about our Murray. <laughs> he was such a boy chick. Now look at him, a lazy bum with no future and no appreciation for how good he's got it. I got the future, yo. You watch. One day my music is going to change the world. I'll be dropping corn like the plague, G. I don't want to hear any more about that. For cock the music, you call music. Yo, dog, you need to step off throwing shade on my tracks. My music is the revolution. It's the dopest flow over the sickest beats, yo. I'm going to call it hip-hop. Because when I spit parables, the shiksas be bouncing like bunnies, yo. Know what I'm saying? No, no one has any idea what you're saying. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying hip-hop is going to flip the game, yo, for shizzle. Not only am I going to be making fat bank, but one day, homies everywhere are going to be spreading that flavor. I mean, yeah, hip-hop is going to be the voice of the struggle of our people. Yo, bust this. Now look what you've done. You want the baby. See, see, he knows what time it is. 
Yes, speaking of time. <laughs> It's getting really late, so... Of course, of course. Uh, we should be going. We know not to overstay our welcome. Really? Do you? Mary, Jesus! What? Oh, oh, the baby. Right, on it. Shh, it's okay, it's okay, little Jesus. Well, uh, it was a pleasure to meet you all tonight. Um, we really should do this again. Oh, that would be wonderful. You must come over to our place. I'll make some sponge cake and coffee. Mm, that sounds... Actually, I have no idea what that means. Trust me, my Goldie makes the best sponge cake in all of the West Bank. Come by, we'll have a nosh, and I'll tell you all there is to know about the shepping business. How long are you in town? <laughs> uh, leaving first thing in the morning. Too bad, eh? <laughs> oh, well, next time you're in town, then. Of course. And if we ever make it to Nazareth, we'll look you up. If you must. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, thanks for coming by. Thank you so much for having us, and mazel tov to your baby Jesus. God willing, he'll have a long and uncomplicated life. Yes, yes, God willing. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Good night. Peace out. Yes, uh, you keep your peace out as well. Well, that was different. Uh, yeah, uh, wow. They were really something, huh? Yeah, still putting stock in that prophet of yours? As usual, you were right. I guess I just got so wrapped up in thinking our boy was special. I just got carried away. Oh, Joe, our boy is special. Of course he is. Fear not, husband. You will teach him to be a carpenter just like you. And one day he will grow up to become the most famous carpenter the world has ever seen. <laughs> Since when has a carpenter ever become famous? <laughs> you never know. He does work in mysterious ways. Indeed he does, Mary. Indeed he does. And now... History you didn't know! You probably didn't know that in 1907, Adolf Hitler lost the Berlin International Limbo Contest to Hofstag Feinstein. As a result of ensuing back issues due to the event, he was never able to lift and install his new air conditioner, giving him a nasty temperament and a hatred for Jews he would carry for the rest of his life. This has been History You Didn't Know. Our next historical look goes back to the days of legend and lore. We're in jolly old England, specifically Sherwood Forest. The adventures of Robin Hood are known far and wide, but the truth is far from the stories you have heard round the fire. His merry men were not so merry, as we shall see. First, there was Clotten. Hello. Before taking up with Robin Hood, Clotten's favorite pastime was drinking, followed by more drinking. Fond of ale, I am. As ugly as he was stupid, he would never be mistaken for Michelangelo. Hey. Then came Badger Lumpkins. Top of the morning to ya. Badger was often lost in thought, as it was unknown territory. You might say I'm a bit dull. 
Which is like saying magma is a bit hot. Right she is, right she is. Followed by Lil John, whose philosophy in life can be summed up as... Clobber first, then clobber again later. And finally, we have Friar Tuck. What a glorious day. We must take some time to thank the creator. Shut up. up. Yeah, no one likes Friar Tuck. That's not true. Yes, it is. I'm even more popular than you. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you over to the excitement that is the Merry Men. Take it away. (coughs) 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 I'm hungry. But I am... Quiet, you. Starving, actually. Oh. Well, then, how would you like a knuckle sandwich? I'll be quiet. (laughs) See that you do. I'm hungry, too. Oh, don't you start up with it. When I joined up with Robin Hood, I was told we'd eat like kings with what we stole. But we had nothing to eat for the past few weeks but dirt. And we're almost out of dirt. How... How can we be out of dirt? We're in the middle of the fucking forest. The goddamn ground is made of fucking dirt. Now, boys, let's just all calm down. Tis true, Brother Jonathan, there is plenty of dirt in the ground. Also, tis true, there is far more rocks than there were before. Well, I broke a tooth last week. Quiet. Now, look here. We are the merry men. Get that? The merry men. So you'd better start acting merry or crawl over every last one of you. Brother Jonathan, as the good book says... Stop it, you canker sore. (laughs) Look it. Robin Hood's been good to each and every last one of you. To think of the shame it would be for him to hear you belly aching about how cold you is. Can't feel me fingers. Or how rocky the dirt is. About choked and died on a pebble. Or that the rot got your toe. Lost another one last week. Be quiet! Listen, you were nothing for Robin found you. Most of yous was drunk in the streets. Can you honestly say that this life ain't better than before? Ponder that for me. Mm-hmm. I like drunk was good. Stop it! It's better now, and I'll hear no more about it. Robin will be back soon, and we'll get back to planning. But where is Robin, little John? He ain't been around for some time. I don't know where he is, but, but whatever he's doing, you know it's for the Good of the people. Mm. I bet he's off eating stew. Oh, that sounds nice. Mm, quiet, quiet, quiet. I, I, I see him. It, it's Robin Hood and Maid Marian. Men, Robin's returned. Merry man, it is I, Robin Hood, return to you at last. Who has a cheer to welcome my return? Men, you all seem to be in despair. (sighs) Perhaps I was away too long. No matter. A joyful tune will lift your spirits. And here we go with Robin Hood, with Robin Hood we go. And here we go with Robin Hood, Robin Hood we go. With a hearty, hearty ho, ho, and a healthy da, da. (laughs) Men? Fuck off. What is it, my less-than-joyful band? We're hungry. Starving, actually. Indeed, Brother Robin. The horn of plenty has been sounding a little flat Shh. recently. And... Uh, <clears throat> Robin, it's, uh, it, 
It's just that it's been a bit since we ate a decent meal. Is that what this is about? Surely we can solve this problem post-haste. Marion, any suggestions? What about the deer? Of course, the deer. The forest is teeming with the king's deer. Let us organize a hunting party right away, and we'll be feasting by sundown. Right, little John? Right, little John? We ate all the deer. We did? Yeah. All of them? Yep. <laughs> well, um, hmm. What about the fish? <gasps> oh, of course, my scrumptious dumpling, the fish. How simple. Men, we shall fish the stream and mighty rivers for our bounty. For the trout alone must number in the millions. We ate all the trout. And the carp. And the mudfish. And the eels. How were the eels? Eely. Well, then, how about the raccoons? Yes, those stringy raccoons could sustain us for... Um, Shit, you ate all of those as well. Indeed, indeed. The gophers? Gone. Hedgehogs? Them's as well. How about We've eaten everything! The large birds? The small birds? The small flightless birds? The snakes? The lizards? The newts? Don't forget the insects. Oh, them insects was tasty. Oh, they had a nice crunch. Crunchy. Robin, Robin, as you can see, these are desperate times. We need a leader. We need you. Uh, Marion? Might you have a suggestion? Men, these are perilous times. To ensure our survival, we must make a, a, a difficult decision. Either we die of starvation together, slowly, painfully, or one of us makes the necessary sacrifice to... Allow us to eat this winter. <laughs> Any volunteers? <laughs> In times of crisis, it may behoove us to look towards the good book for guidance from above. I nominate Friar Tuck. Second motion carried. God damn it! And that is the tale of how the merry men were forced to eat Robin's minister. And there was much rejoicing. And now more history you didn't know. You probably didn't know that in the year 1212, in the midst of the battle to conquer the Jin Dynasty, Genghis Khan invented soft-serve ice cream. His invention was lost to history for several centuries until cold was invented in 1862. This has been History You Didn't Know. (laughs) 
Let us now cast our eyes back to a simpler time where all life's evils could easily be blamed on women. It's Asheville, circa 1720, and a blight has befallen the land. We find Mayor Worthington discussing the matter with Goodman Parsnip, Goodman Hornpipe, and an old hag who lives in a cave. I tell you, Mayor Worthington, tis a witch to blame for all our troubles. Goodman Parsnip, this is simply balderdash. This is the modern age. There are no such thing as witches. Right, old hag? <laughs> well said. What say you, Goodman Hornpipe? Well, sir, to date I have yet to see any direct evidence of supernatural mischief. Hornpipe, you're a fool. Hmm. How else to explain the blight that has failed my crops other than the evil of supernatural women? Goodman Parsnip, if we examine the issue, I'm sure we'll find that there is a rational explanation to all of this calamity. But, Mayor Worthington, I have seen them with my own eyes at flight on their broomsticks against the full moon. Mm, I have seen such things as well after too many tankards of Goodman Boatwright's mead. <laughs> Mayor Worthington. Yes, old hag? Might I have the floor? But of course. I agree with the mayor. There is a rational explanation to these events, and we shall discover them post-haste. To blame this all on the evil of witches is to discard the scientific process, which I believe will suggest exactly the root cause of your problems. Such as? For example, is it true that you have forsaken worship these past three Sundays? Uh, forsaken is such a harsh word. Moreover, I required extra work. On the Sabbath? On the Sabbath, yes, but my farm is rather extensive. So extensive you would turn your back on God? Well, the maintenance required to keep a farm at its best... Oh. ...is a small cost compared to the maintenance required to save your very soul. Well, when you put it that way... <laughs> So you see, by using science and logic, we have discovered it is not some fanciful story of witches, but your lack of commitment to your faith, which has brought this calamity to us. This is preposterous, Goodman Hornpipe. Surely you reject these outlandish claims. The old hag's reasoning appears to be sound. Though it pains me to say so, it appears you are guilty. Mayor Worthington, I stand by your judgment. Goodman Parsnip, you have been a pillar of the community for some time. In fact, you and I have sat down to supper more times than I can remember. I have looked upon you fondly and would even claim you as my friend. For this, I shall take mercy upon you. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you for your mercy. We are merciful. Your sentence is to be burned at the stake until dead. Oh, dear. <laughs> sentence to be carried out immediately, Goodman Thug. Hmm. 
May I, your compassion towards the damned. I, it reminds me what a, a, a good person you are. Uh, please, sir, you flatter me. But, sir, most mayors would have delivered Goodman Parsnip to a far more cruel and painful fate. We must take pity on those who have fallen on the path. Just listen to him scream. I dare say it, he almost sounds happy. And why shouldn't he? His sin is being consumed by the fire so that he may be pure again. Oh, you mean to suggest he might still ascend <laughs> to heaven? <laughs> Good Lord, no! He dies by flames and then go to an afterlife of flames. Oh, poetic justice. <laughs> now, who's hungry? Let us all go to supper. And so it was that Goodman Parsnip was burned at the stake, not for being a witch, which would be silly, but for being negligent in his worship of the Almighty, which for some reason seemed far more logical. <laughs> Did the mayor's swift action truly bring peace back to the land? Find out in part two of the sordid tale of the Asheville witch hunt. And now, another jaw-dropping history you didn't know. You probably didn't know that since 1972, the Canadian people have had only one government-sanctioned gender called maples. They reproduce asexually on the ice at regional hockey games. The newborn children are often referred to as pucks. This has been History You Didn't Know! Next up, we're off to Washington, D.C., where we will find all of our leaders are not created equal. We cast our gaze back to the 1930s, when trouble gripped our great country. The Great Depression was near its height, War threatened in Europe and Asia, and the American people elected a man who was completely unable to deal with any of this. Yes, I am talking about Franklin Delano Roosevelt. It's true, I am woefully unqualified for any of this. But FDR had an ace up his sleeve, for at his side stood the proud intelligence of the First Lady, Eleanor Roosevelt there to assist her adult husband whenever the need arose. Please don't eat the food you found on the floor, Franklin. Yes, quite right, my mistake. From personal hygiene to international relations, Eleanor was vital to FDR's success. Eleanor, take down this letter. Sure thing, dearie. Dear Emperor Shotgun of Jap Island Conglomerate. Rather, dear Emperor Showa, leader of the Empire of Japan. Right. I'm still waiting for your reply. My last letter dated August 16th, though I suppose it takes you some time to read with your poor eyesight. At least I assume you have poor eyesight since you squint so often. I hope this letter finds you and your family and, and by extension, your nation in good health. Huh. We know what you treacherous yellow bastards are up to. 
Reports have been coming in regarding your militaristic advancements on mainland China. You may think you're safe across the Atlantic. Pacific. <laughs> Just remember, our hard-boiled eggheads are working night and day to devise a way to send you back to the Stone Age. Be advised we have a level of technological sophistication you would be best not to tamper with. <laughs> Stick with growing rice, it's what you do best. We look forward to an expansion of agricultural trade. <laughs> and remember, even in a wheelchair, I can still kick your ass. Perhaps we could play a round of golf sometime. Frank. Franklin Roosevelt, President of the United States. <laughs> Eleanor was indispensable to FDR. Without her by his side, the public would have quickly learned how shallow his intellect could be. Such is the time the Roosevelts were visited by the reporter, Dottie Fairchild, of the New York Times. Frankie, there's a reporter here to see you. Oh, excellent. How do I look? I'm presidential? Might I suggest you act as if you were hard at work? Quite right. How would you suggest? Perhaps you should appear to be on the phone. Smashing idea, lovey. Good afternoon, Mr. President. Just a moment. I don't care how hard it is, it's time to do something about this depression. I could care less when you last saw your children. People are counting on me to save the day. Back to work with you. Now, to whom do I owe the pleasure? Dottie Fairchild. I write for the Times. Oh, yes, a paper out in Cleveland, yes. New York, dear. New York, yes, of course, forgive me. Certainly, sir. Might I ask to whom you were talking to on the phone? Uh, of course, a member of my cabinet. Why do you ask? Well, I couldn't help but notice that your phone isn't plugged into the wall. Not plugged into the wall. <laughs> um. Dearie? It's the latest invention. It's a phone that requires no wires to transmit one's voice. We call it wire-free. Oh, well done, lovey. That was very believable. Whenever he needed her, Eleanor was there to save the day. Mr. President, the depression is getting worse and the morale of the American people is at its lowest point in modern age. Mm, terrible news, just terrible. Well, I'm off to the club. Now, just a minute, dearie. <laughs> Should you not speak to the American people? What for? Uh, what the First Lady is trying to say is that our citizens may be prone to panic. Fine, I'll speak to them. I'll write this down. <clears throat> My fellow Americans... Stop being such pussies. <laughs> there, that should tell them. Perhaps, perhaps something a bit more eloquent. Such as? The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Oh, <laughs> that's good. You, you there, Dottie, write that down. But seriously, the American people are such a bunch of pussies. I know, dear, but it's for the good of the Republic. Finally, she was instrumental in gearing the president and the nation for war. What's that? You don't say. Attacked. Thousands dead. Oh, this is a catastrophe, a catastrophe. Alert my generals. Oh, and bring me a pudding. What was that, dearie? Oh, that was the War Department. It appears we've been attacked. Attacked by whom? The Empire of Japan. Whatever shall we do? Of course you know this means war. We must prepare a plan to invade Canada. <laughs> Canada? 
dear? You heard me. I'll start by invading Saskatchewan. From there, we will strike Vancouver and Toronto. As for Montreal, firebomb those fake French assholes till nothing remains. (laughs) (laughs) Darling. Forgive my questioning you, but uh, shouldn't we be going after Japan? Canada is right there, and (laughs) Japan is so far away. True, but they did attack us. Besides, why would you want to invade Canada? Their version of bacon is nothing like bacon at all. (laughs) Dearie. And besides, the reserves of maple syrup will supply with us with delicious pancakes for years. Franklin, what is it, really? Fine. I once got the clap from a French-Canadian girl. That is mildly embarrassing at worst. No reason to start a war with our northern neighbors. Forget it, my mind is made up. When it is that Sun Tzu said, a wise man attacks his enemies, not his allies. Sun Tzu, eh? You really said that? He did. Well, far be it from me to contradict the great Sun Tzu. (laughs) That's it. We shall declare war on Japan. Good job. I believe your pudding has arrived. You definitely earned it. Yes, I was a good president, wasn't I? Yes. (laughs) Yes, you were. Good enough for two puddings? I suppose so. No, gonna gonna gum drops? (laughs) And with that, the... And with that, the free world was saved and Franklin got to have two pudding cups. What other adventures await the fantastic duo? Find out in future installments of their story. And now, another ball-drenching history you didn't know. You probably didn't know that in 1997, a 15-year-old boy named Chad realized he could check yes to the online question, are you over 18? (laughs) Thus changing marketing for online pornography forever. This has been History You Didn't Know. We here at Super Happy Productions would like you, our audience, to know that we are well aware of how terrible we are. (laughs) You see, we all got interested in performing radio drama because of a single radio program, Jan Danson, Super Detective. (laughs) The worst radio drama ever. I know many of you have not heard this classic from the 1940s. It only aired once, no recording was ever made, and those responsible for writing it were never heard from again after its airing. Lucky for you, we managed to secure a copy of the original script. Tonight, the Super Happy Radio players proudly present the original, unedited text from episode one of Dan Jansen, Super Detective. Jan Danson, super detective. He's a super detective. Not superhero super, but a super nonetheless. And 
He's a detective. He's Jan Benson, super detective. Tonight, episode one, Capital Punishment. Capital because it takes place in Washington. Not like the death penalty. Good morning, Mr. Jansen. Danson. Mr. Danson. Any messages? Uh, yes, quite a few. Here they are. Mm. Oh, well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, and this came in. The gentleman who dropped it off said it was very important. <laughs> Wow, this is important. It is. Oh, yes. Look at this. <laughs> wow, that is important. Angela, get me the president on the phone. The president? Like the United States president? Yes. Right away, sir. President. Oh, what's the correct number again? Uh-huh. Nine, you said uh, 8079? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Zero, seven, nine. President, please. The United States President. Yes, I'll hold. <clears throat> oh, oh, yes. Hello. I'd like to speak to the President, please. The United States President. Tell him it's Dan Jansen. Jan Danson. Jan Danson. Oh, yes. Okay. Hold for Mr. Danson. Thank you, Angela. <clears throat> Mr. President, yes, Mr. President. I agree, Mr. President, but Mr. Pre yes, Mr. President, yes. Right away, Mr. President. Yes, Mr. President. Goodbye, Mr. President. Oh, my. Was it important, Mr. Jansen? Jansen. Mr. Danson. Was it important? Yes. It was. Ooh! I need you to take a letter immediately. Oh, yes, sir. I'm ready, Mr. Danson. Yes, Danson. Yes, Danson. <clears throat> to the ambassador of Russia, 1405. 05? Yes. 1405 Massachusetts Avenue. Two T's? Yes, two. Northwest Washington, D.C. Dear Ambassador Vladimovich, the President has informed me that... Wait! You don't have top secret security clearance, do you, Angela? Uh, no, sir, Mr. Jansen. Yes, no, D Danson. No, sir, Mr. Danson. Well, then, I won't be able to dictate this letter to you. I'm going to have to write it 
myself. Oh, uh, of course. Give me some privacy, will you, dear? Of course, Mr. Jansen. <clears throat> dear <laughs> Ambassador <clears throat> Vlad Amo. Tune in next week for episode two, the nail-biting conclusion of Dan Jensen, Super Detective, Capital Punishment! And now it's time for intermission. Do yourself a favor and make these next 10 minutes count. Use the time wisely to expel waste, buy as many concessions as you can hold in your greedy little hands, or step outside to smoke a Chesterfield, the most refreshing cigarette money can buy. <laughs> Welcome back. Just in time to return to the chilling world of yesteryear, where supernatural threats scoured the land. It's time for the sordid tale of the Asheville Witch Hunt, part two. When we last left, these superstitious knaves all seemed well. The horrific death of Goodman Parsnip did abate the evil that had stricken the land. But soon, blight, pestilence, and plague descended on once again. And so another meeting was called. Mayor Worthington. Yes, Goodman Hornpipe. I just can't help but feel a bit disheartened over the unfortunate demise of Goodman Parsnip last week. Nonsense! It was his own fault. He neglected his worship, and for that, he was doomed. True as that may be, the darkness which befalls our land persists in light of other explanations. Yes, what is it, Hornpipe? Out with it! And, uh, well, it just seems perhaps Goodman Parsnip was onto something with the whole witch thing. Nonsense, Hornpipe! Have you seen any witches around here? Well, no. But I was talking to the widow Pennington, and she believes she may have seen one. You don't say. Perhaps we should hear for her and hear her story. I'm right here. Well, isn't that convenient? It's a short sketch. <laughs> Quite. So, you've seen a witch, eh? I don't know that I can say for certain, but the other day I did witness old hag carrying out suspicious activities that on the surface appeared to be abundantly witchicidal. Go on. Well, I was at the greengrocer trying to find unwormed apples when I saw old hag walk by the store with a cauldron. Oh, a cauldron. The very thing. Well, that in and of itself is no crime. True indeed, but it did arouse my curiosity. So I followed her to the apothecary shop and hid behind the boxes of monkey paws so I could see what she was up to. And do you know what she was buying? Do tell. Eye of newt and toe of frog, wool of bat and tongue of dog, adder's fork and blind worm sting, lizard's leg and howlet's wing. What a fiendish list of ingredients. 
Whatever should you need such a thing? I was making tacos that evening. <laughs> I like to experiment with exotic seasoning. Tacos indeed. More like Tex-Mex of the damned! <laughs> Mayor Worthington. Yes, old hag? Might I have the floor? But of course. The Holy Scripture teaches us, judge not, lest ye be judged, does it not? Not, it does. At one time, one could simply accuse one another of all sorts of suspicious crimes. But might I remind the town of the Defamation Act of 1802, which specifically prescribes all libelous statements to be reversed strictly on the accuser, resulting in an automatic predetermined verdict of guilty. Ooh, hard to argue with all those syllables. Indeed, Hornpipe. In fact, I'm uh, still catching up. Then allow me to simplify. <laughs> I'm made of rubber, she's made of glue. <laughs> so my accusations will... Bounce off me and stick to you. <laughs> Legally speaking, of course. Hmm, that is a thing. Hornpipe, what are your thoughts? Mm, though it pains me to say so, the law is the law. It appears there is no choice but to find you guilty. Agreed. Your sentence is to be burned at the stake until dead. Sentence to be carried out immediately. Well, shit. Goodman Thug. I, hey, no, let go of me. Mm, old hag, I must admit I owe you an apology. Thankfully, your sharp intellect managed to save the day. Appreciate swift justice. <laughs> Have the good townsfolk finally rid themselves of evil, where their crops grow to fruition? Are there still some conspiring against them? Find out in part three of the sordid tale of the Asheville witch hunt. The capacity for complex language is what sets humans above all other creatures and landed us at the top of the food chain. Throughout the eons, we have developed new ways to improve our ability to convey thought. Technology has been a large part of this evolution, or has it? In our newest segment, we explore how modern technology may have knocked us down a peg or two on the food chain if it had come earlier in our history. It is 1863, and Abraham Lincoln is about to deliver his famous Gettysburg Address, the version he dictated into his cell phone. The Warren's Evon years ago, our forefathers brought worst an incontinent new nation, conceded liberty, and dedicated to that proposition that old men are cremated evil. <laughs> now we are engaged in a gray silverware, testing whether that nation, or a knee nation, so conceived in liberty and dead it catered, and long endured. We are met a great batter, fear to that word. We came to dedicate 
of Porsche of Latvia as a final rest in place for toes who whore gave their lives that the nation night live. It is rather furious tubing here, dedicated to the great ass reaming before us that front these unnerded, we take increased lotion to that cause forest, which gave the last thermometer of the lotion that we are high. We resolve that this dad shall not have died in a van. That this nation, undergarment, shall have a new work of freedom. And that go ferment over people, bother people, forego people. Shall it pairs from the earth? Thank you. Thank you very much. Godot and goblets. Join us next time on Talk to Text Theater, where we will boldly go where no words should ever go. Years ago, things were different for the average American. The telephone was just then connecting the homes and businesses of our fine citizens. The steam engine allowed greater freedom of travel, and you could purchase fine items such as opium elixirs, tinctures of cocaine, and cannabis-infused cough syrups, with no need for bothersome prescriptions. It was during this time that our hero, Farmer Fairfax T. Fuddrucker, first enters our story. Why, this here land's as fertile as my mother's womb, that which nurtured me and my 13 brothers and sisters into this glorious world. This is a new beginning, one of success, one of achievement, and of profit. Indeed, the future looked very bright for the Fuddrucker clan. Obtaining a sizable loan from the bank, the Fuddruckers worked until their fingers bled, shaping the land to grow profitable crops. Indeed, we shall grow the very best, radishes, rutabagas, and parsnips. And with that, the family... Really? You betcha. Just that seems like an odd choice. How so? Come now. People don't really eat those crops. Hogwash. They are easy to grow, have a long shelf life, and can easily be moved to market. But who would eat them? Prisoners. Prisoners? Yes, sir. I bribed the county sheriff so that I could supply many incarcerated with nutritious yet unappealing food. Well played. Soon, Farmer Fuddrucker became the sole food supplier for not just the county's prisoners. We also have an exclusive contract with the county schools as well. Because... Students are essentially prisoners of another sort. Fair enough. Soon, the farmer grew to be very wealthy, and his land became the envy of the town. It was not long before forces conspired against him. Howdy-do, Fuddrucker. Well, howdy-do, Mr. Banker. Oh, radishes looking strong this year. As they do every year, Mr. Banker. Quite, quite. <laughs> now listen here, Fuddrucker. Anyone can see that you've peaked as an agricultural concern. 
Now I beg to differ, Now Mr. hear me out, sir. I propose a merger of sorts, a combination of property and family, you see, to allow for a stronger foundation to offset any potential difficulties the future may hold. Well, well, well. While that sounds promising, I'll have to think it over. And wait, did you say property and family? I believe I did, sir. Now, how do you mean? Well, I mean to have your daughter's hand in marriage. Are you mad? Are you an imbecile? Do you have a syphilitic brain? I beg your pardon? You saunter in here attempting to woo my homely daughter. Daddy! (laughs) Sir, you are mistaken. It is you who are mistaken, sir. Your goal is not the sweet nectar betwixt my daughter's thighs. Daddy! But this fertile land, that is what you covet. Ah, uh, so, you have seen through my little ruse. Damn you and your suspicious eyes. Indeed, your land is all that I covet. How on earth did you see through my scheme? Uh, um, uh, I, I didn't, really. I was just giving you the business. Uh, had no real idea that you was up to no good. Oh. You were saying? I was saying that, um, yes, your daughter was the 2% milk I was willing to choke down to get to the sweet, sweet cream that is your land. Ah, be gone, you scallywomp! I'll take my leave, Fuddrucker, but mark my words. You still owe the bank thousands on your mortgage. Sure, the value of radishes and rutabagas keep your coffers filled for now, but who knows what way fortune will choose for you next. And with that, Mr. Banker left, and Farmer Fuddrucker smiled in victory. But his victory was Pyrrhic, to be sure. Say that again. For the following spring came a mighty flood. Verily, an antediluvian deluge. Followed by a crippling drought. As dry as Death Valley. Chased by a swarm of locusts. Did I lose a bet with a gypsy or something? (laughs) Ending with the collapse of the price of radishes due to cheap imports from Canada. Oh, you... You have got to be kidding me. Soon... Mr. Banker came a-calling once again. Fuddrucker! Banker? Radishes looking a little puny this year. Still early in the season. Parsnips look dry as dust. No, they could stand to see a little rain. And your rutabagas are as homely as your daughter. You'll have hell of a time paying your mortgage this month. Any fool can see that. Perhaps we could refinance. Perhaps. And perhaps we could one day see a man land on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Face it, Fuddrucker, this land is going to be mine. Oh, mine, mine, I tell you. (laughs) Things looked bleak for Farmer Fuddrucker and his family. Pshaw. Pshaw, you nattering nincompoop. Things can never be bleak as long as I hold air in these here lungs. What do you propose to do? Oh, I have a plan. We're going to get out of the rutabaga business and go into cattle. But your crops have failed. Where shall you get the capital? Well, I have a bit of emergency cash. Enough to invest in a prize steer? Well, not nearly, but enough to purchase a significant amount of heroin. (laughs) Heroin? Yes, sir, China White. The purest I can buy. For what purpose. Why, to sell to the darkies, of course. What? What I meant to say was I'll sell it to my fine friends of African descent. Try again. All right. How about American expats living in post-war Paris enjoying a movable feast? 
Okay. Ah. And with the money I make off of their misery, I shall establish dominance over the cattle raising in all of Western North Carolina. So after successfully hooking a number of wealthy decadent Americans on his pure China white, Farmer Fuddrucker regained his fortunes, eventually opening a chain of restaurants that exist to this day. <laughs> and all was right with the world until his daughter framed him for murder so she could steal all his money. The fuck you say? <laughs> With that, another chapter from Asheville history is closed. Or is it? Y'all come back now, you hear? And now, another heartbreak of psoriasis-inducing history you didn't know! You probably didn't know that furniture was invented in Australia in 1850 by an electrical engineer who said, Oi, where can I rest me bongo around here? This has been History You Didn't Know! <laughs> and now, the thrilling conclusion to the sordid tale of the Asheville Witch Hunt! Times are again dark. While the weekend following the Widow Pennington's execution were of the most beautiful and peaceful days the town had seen in many a month, when Monday rolled around, things began to go downhill once again. By Wednesday, the townspeople were nearing their breaking point. You guessed it, another meeting was scheduled. Mayor Worthington, things are getting worse. There have been reports of blood coming from wells, people being turned into toads, and seasonal allergies that are on the rise and noticeably out of season. <laughs> Mayor, I fear Goodman Parsnip and the Widow Pennington may not only have given their lives in vain, but were, in fact, correct. We are beset with witches, and something must be done about it and done now. I have done something. What? I have written a letter to Governor Sleestack, seeking advice. Has he responded? Indeed! And I have his response right here. Oh, for God's sake, man, read it! Uh, I don't have some, uh, to the esteemed Mayor Worthington, blah, 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 we hope this letter finds you well, blah, 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 blah. No, the insects are not as bad as you would think, blah, 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 blah. As for Marianne, she continues to improve her sewing. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, here it is. Mm. Our advice is thus. At the first opportunity, the honorable men in the town should immediately burn all the britches at the stake until dead. All right. I shall gather a posse for us to hunt all the witches and burn them at the stake. Hold on there, Hornpipe. Not so fast. But the letter did seem to indicate a certain sense of urgency. And hurry we shall, but not to find so-called witches. How do you mean the letter clearly said? The letter said we were to find and burn all the britches until dead. You're fucking kidding me, right? <laughs> not a bit. Let me see that. Look here, look, look. This does not say burn the britches. It clearly states burn the witches. 
That's a W. Nonsense. I know my letters, and that it reads Britches. That doesn't make any sense. Would you care for another opinion? In fact, I would. Certainly. Old hag. <laughs> yes. If you would, please read this sentence of which I point at. Certainly. It reads, must immediately burn all the witches at the stake until dead. What? Vindication! Oh, did I say witches? <laughs> my mistake. I, I forgot my readers. Here we go. It clearly reads, burn the britches. Yes, that's what it says. Nothing about witches at all. <laughs> there you see. It's two to one in favor of burning all the britches. Two to one. Anyone with a scientific mind can see that represents infallible logic. <laughs> what say you, sir? Well, I guess I can't argue with logic. But might I point out something about the old hag? Certainly. It's just that she does look a lot like a witch. How do you mean? Well, to begin with, she does wear a very witchy hat. Oh, Pointed and black-like, plus a black smock, and the warts, lots of warts. Plus, I, I mean, she has a broom in one hand that looks like a wand in the other. <laughs> well, old hag, he does have a point. You certainly look the part. <laughs> oh, pshaw. <laughs> there is a very simple and rational explanation to all that you see. I simply adhere to fashions of an earlier age. The warts run in my family, and I'm kind of sensitive about it, and so thank you very much for making me feel great about that. As for the broom, it's helpful at keeping the feral cats at bay, and, and this, this is not a wand at all. It's just, oh, I am shot. <laughs> For the love of God, Hornpipe, what have you done? I had to prove she was a witch, and see, I was right. What? A witch cannot die by typical means. Her supernatural nature protects her. Behold, she still stands. <laughs> I don't know. She seems awfully dead. Uh, just a minute, she'll get up. She's not breathing. Uh, witches don't need to breathe. Uh, but look, when I poke the squishy part of her eye, she doesn't even blink. Huh. Nope, she's dead. Guess she wasn't a witch after all. What do you have to say for yourself? My bad. <laughs> well, sir, the penalty for murder is to be... Uh, yeah, yeah, burned at the stake. Goodman Thug! Oh, 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 <laughs> Goodman Hornpipe learned a valuable lesson that day. Too bad he would not live long enough to teach it to anyone else. The very next day, a brightness fell across the land. Crops began to flourish, the water became clean. The toad population returned to a reasonable size. And the sky became what we now call Carolina blue. Since that fateful day, 
There have been no reports of large-scale witch sightings in our beautiful mountain land, but there are some who believe their presence is still felt to this day in the form of seasonal allergies that persist all year round. <laughs> Now, another panty-drenching episode of History You Didn't Know. You probably didn't know that during the New York City blackout in 1978, media mogul Rupert Murdoch inadvertently started the crack epidemic by running through the streets of the Bronx yelling, Does anyone have anything that's worth me sucking a dick for? <laughs> This has been history you didn't know! And now, the somewhat exciting conclusion of... Dan Jensen, Super Detective! <laughs> Episode 2, More Capital! Sincerely yours, Dan Jansen. Now, Jan Danson. Curses! Now I have to start again. Uh, why don't you just cross it out and sign it with a pen? Great idea, Angela. Hand me that pen, will you? And an envelope. Yes, sir. Here you go, sir. Thank you, Angela. Just let me sign this here. And get it in this envelope. Lick the envelope. Wait. This is top secret, Angela. Yes, Mr. Danson. Danson. Yes, Mr. Danson. Angela, do you have any scotch tape at your desk? Of course, Mr. Jansen. Here you are, Mr. Dancehead. Excellent. It must be sealed up tight. There. There. That ought to keep it safe and top secret. Angela, get this to the mail chute right away. And on your way, tell Freeman I want to see him immediately. Yes, sir. Jan. Damn it, Freeman. How many times have I told you to call me Mr. Jensen around the office? Sorry, Mr. Danson. Now, Freeman, we have quite a situation with the Ruskies. A situation? Yes. I trust your code-breaking skills are still sharp. <laughs> you know darn well that I'm the best code-breaker in Washington. I've even solved the Rubik's Cube. What? Nobody could solve that thing. Why, they haven't even invented it yet. <laughs> oh, yeah? Here, a Rubik's Cube. Now, mix it all up. Okay. Okay, now, just give me a minute. 
on your life. Watch this. How's that? Not bad, Freeman, not bad at all. Can you get more than one side? Of course I can. Hold on to your hat. Ah, the green. Tune in next time for another spine-tingling, high-tension installment of Jack Denson, Super Detective, Episode 3, My Miss Money! This concludes tonight's broadcast of the Super Happy Radio Hour. show how about some love for the super happy players adam arthur <laughs> troy burnett Troy Burnett. Sound design and Foley artist Rodney Smith. Board operator Caitlin Lane. All sketches written by Adam Arthur, Troy Burnett, Jeff Cantonese, and Rodney Smith. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or search Super Happy Radio Hour on your favorite podcast app. Please rate us positively if you like what we do. It actually helps us on the business end of things. And don't be shy. Spread the super happy vibe. Get out on the interwebs and tell everyone. Like or follow us on all the facey places. We're not that hard to find. Godot and goblets. Godot and goblets.